Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Oh, good morning, all you podcasters out there, or afternoon or evening or whatever it might be, wherever you are. Um, today, I'm having a chat with Dr. Ronald Finer. Dr. Ronald Finer, I hope I said that. I've got half the letters come out, half don't. And Dr. Finer's a cosmetic physician who's based in Sydney, and he heads up the Cosmetica Clinic, which is in Castle Hill in um, New South Wales. So welcome, Dr. Finer. Thank you, Trish. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we're going to have a bit of a, a chat about, I heard you present at a conference recently about non-surgical aesthetic correction of lower eyelid fat bags, which is really, really exciting and really, really topical. So a lot of people do have those um, fat bags under their eyelids and you just don't know what to do with them and people don't want surgery. So um, this sounds like this is going to help them. Well, Trish, it's a, it's a very interesting um, subject because we do see a lot of this in practice. And as you say, uh, taking the decision to have an operation uh, is a significant um, decision. And uh, it, the operations entail risk and complications and, uh, and entail some period in hospital and time off work and so it goes on. So anything we can do to improve these sorts of problems with non-invasive work, in this case with a, an injection of cheeks, um, with a cannula, which takes about 25 minutes, uh, is, is really quite dramatic and um, something that we observed in practice uh, a little while ago and started noticing the improvement in lower lid bags. So, yes, I, I, I agree with you. It, it is an exciting, exciting finding. Okay, so, so basically what you're doing is you're, you're injecting the cheeks, which kind of fills up those fat bags. So it's not about getting rid of the fat bags, it's about kind of getting rid of the crease, I guess? Yeah, I'd call it, uh, instead of calling it collateral, using the term collateral damage, I'd call it collateral benefit. So when we, when we found that we do a lot of injections to the, to the malar and cheek area, because as we age, we lose both bone and fat in that area, in the deep fat pads. And what we found when we were using some of the contemporary fillers that are volumizing, when we injected into the right area, which, which are the deep fat bags, an area called that we call the SOOF, and the median lateral fat bags, which lie deep under the under the skin, um, they're not the superficial fat, but the next layer down. There are retaining ligaments uh, that demarcate those those fat bags, and if you inject with the right um, filler into those areas, what we found was that we retensioned the ligaments and reset the fat bags largely back into where into the anatomical space they should be so we found this collateral benefit if you like that we just happened to note um during the course of injecting people and comparing their before and after photographs and here was, here was this lovely finding um that we, that we actually had two benefits instead of one okay and so is, is it becoming like popular like how do people find out about it so someone will come to you and say oh my god the bags under my eyes are, Well, know. correct, Trish. I mean, often people come in with that complaint, but sometimes they don't come in with that complaint. But when we put their photographs up, pre-treatment photographs, they'll note um, that there are some bags there I didn't realise I had. So in both those circumstances where they're presenting with fat bags or that they happen to note there are fat bags there when we're looking at other things, I suggest to them that we can treat the cheek area and possibly improve their, their fat bags uh, at the same time without an operation and uh, 
we started noticing just serendipity when we were looking at the general harmony of the face after injecting the cheeks, uh, that, that this was much improved and it was an exciting finding. So um, uh, my finding, I think, is original, um, and I've presented this, as you, as you suggested, in, in, uh, in conference situation, and, uh, and I've actually presented in, in another talk last year, and people are taking some, some note of it. Uh, so it's a sort of somewhat an original thought. It's always nice to have an original thought in this field. Yeah, totally. And, and that's how um, that's how developments happen and innovation happens. It's by that um, thinking outside the square, I suppose, for want of a better... And it's very important to present those to you, colleagues, because, uh, you know, it matches the whole field. I, I might say that when we do cheek injections, we often improve the lower face. And we've always known that, that when we inject the cheeks, that it uh, supports the lower face. It's like the coat hanger of the lower face. But what, what we didn't realise, or what I didn't realise until I observed this, uh, this uh, you know, collateral benefit, was they were also improving the, the lower lid factor. That's quite exciting. And there are good anatomical reasons that I go into into my, in my talks as to why that should occur. Okay, so say, for example, if someone um, wants to have this done, so, so like, is it something that you have to keep getting done all the time or does it kind of, does your own, you know, does, um, does stuff build up over time or like, or is this like a commitment that you make for the rest of your life you're going to have to be getting... Yeah, so it's very interesting. Well, in my talk, I presented the short answer to your question is yes, there is there is maintenance required every eighteen months, two years. Uh, injection to maintain the effect, of course, is necessary. But then it's necessary anyway because as we age, we lose our cheek, our cheek proportion and contours. So it's something that most people are doing uh, who are interested in their facial aesthetics. In any case, so uh, the, the fillers that we have today are. Uh, the rheology or the physics of fillers is such that they can last a long time. And we've had patients in the last three years that will come back at one and a half years and say, look, do I need any more? And we find that their effect still uh, is maintained. Now, the reason for that is that when we inject fillers, we also stimulate the inherent collagen uh, of the patient in the region that we're injecting. So there's not only a, a filler effect, but also a stimulatory effect with the fillers that we use. And the common ones that we use are hyaluronic acid fillers, mm -hmm. hyaluronic which there are many brands these days. Uh, and uh, it's an effect that's actually been uh, recognised in scientific studies. So it's quite exciting. So often the effect is much longer than the, the expected uh, durability of the filler itself. Mm -hmm. And I know, we, so with the fillers, there's different types, isn't there? There's ones that last for, you know, there's different le lengths of, or, or thickness or whatever. There's different types of fillers on the market. There are indeed. I think that the vast majority of the market is serviced by uh, hyaluronic fillers because they've got a great safety record and they have these various rheologies and, and that's another study uh, of physical properties that can make them last longer and in some ways be more elastic. In the cheek area, you want some elasticity uh, of the filler so that the face moves naturally. In areas where we inject into the jawline, for instance, uh, we want fillers that are actually less elastic, more viscous, so because there's not a lot of movement around the, 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 the mandible, the jaw area. So there are different fillers for different reasons. There are also some fillers that actually can last a lot longer. There, there are another type of filler, which are based on um, calcium, for instance, uh, where you have a longer duration and a more, well, sometimes a, a stimulatory uh, effect as well. So there are, yeah, there are some choices. We have a toolbox 
and the, 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 the issue is to choose the right tool that you know how to handle uh, in the toolbox for the task. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, experience in this and a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a learning curve as to what to use where. And, of course, Trish, uh, Paramount is safety. So how you inject, what you inject, the, the, the delivery um, that you'd use. You know, I like to use cannulas, for instance, because they're very safe compared to just putting a needle in. Because we're very frightened of vascular complications these days and necrosis um, and even blindness. We have to be very, very careful the way we deliver a filler and use the most, uh, uh, the safest method and the least traumatic method for the patient. Yeah, I've heard some horrific stories lately. So it's not only, uh, you know, looking at which um, surgeon you go to for surgery, but it's looking at which practitioner you're going to for the non-surgical procedures as well these days because, like, yeah. Very much so. We're, we're very concerned about the side effects that uh, that have been reported in, in Asia. I think this, the, the number at the moment that's actually reported of uni, unilateral blindness, monocular blindness, so actually becoming blind in an eye from a filler uh, being injected into a vessel that can anastomose, uh, it will join other vessels that supply the retina. Mm. And that's a tragic thing to happen for a non-invasive procedure that I think you have to choose very carefully uh, the, the person you're going to. It's, uh, you know, choose somebody with a good reputation, mm-hmm. uh, good education, that, that is, uh, uh, it's terribly important, very important in this work, actually. Okay. Very underestimated, very underestimated indeed. Yeah, I, I think it's actually the most important decision, apart from the decision to have it done, it's the most important decision you make is who you go to. Yeah, it's a combination of getting good work is using good products, using good techniques, and having the aesthetic eye and understanding the anatomy, mm-hmm. all these, all these uh, ingredients go into making, uh, you know, the, 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 the product uh, or the practitioner, if you like, that uh, delivers the procedure to you. Mm, totally. And can I ask you, so, so what kind of patients is it suitable for? Like, w- would it work for someone who's got dark circles under their eyes? Because often um, patients with fat bags under the eyes, they, they might also... Or, or they might not actually have darkness associated with it. Yeah, so would it work for that? It's a good question, Trish. It, it varies. Now, we, we actually treat people from their, sometimes in their 20s with this problem, and sometimes it's actually dark circles without fat bags and sometimes dark circles with fat bags. Dark circles are probably due to a lot of vascular um, vascularity in the, in the area of the, the, what we call the lower orbit, and that can be there without fat bags or with fat bags. But because we're filling the cheeks, the, the tissue, the skin, and the soft tissue is actually lifted off the bone and off the vascularity and can improve. It's not a definitive treatment for, for dark circles. I don't think there is a definitive treatment, but everything that you do uh, can help. And in those cases, cheek, cheek insufficiency or a lack of cheek uh, projection and contour can happen from a very early age. It can be genetic, it can be familial, and it certainly uh, is exacerbated by energy. We lose mm-hmm. bone and deep fat, unfortunately, as we age. Uh, and it's a, it's a great treatment, really at all ages. But you have to identify the right ones. Yeah, exactly. You got to, it's like someone's going to think, oh, I've got fat bags, I should go and have it done. But that's not necessarily the case. You need to go and like have a consult, with, say, with someone like you who does it exceptionally well and because um, and it might not be the right thing for them. 
it certainly it, it certainly can fail in in a case of uh, you know very excessive fat bags. It might improve the situation, but not you know, not uh, sufficiently. So every case is different. You know, every case that walks into our office is a is a um, is is a, is a custom case. You know, yeah. there there isn't a uh, uh, a fixed menu. You know, everything is one of my great. Um, cosmetic surgeons from Paris, uh, one of my mentors said, you know, everything here is a la carte, no fixed menu. Yeah. So every case, then you have to assess them in that, in that fashion. Yeah. All right. Now I want to ask you one, one more thing. So, so is this something that people can have done as a quote lunchtime procedure or is it something that, um, you know, you need to have a bit of downtime or like, can you give us, that's a very interesting question. With the, with the use of cannulas and a single entry point on each cheek, which is something I do now, uh, the procedure takes about 25 minutes, 30. Mm -hmm. uh, it, is, um, it is a lunchtime procedure. And uh, I, I wouldn't have said that once, but it is now. And uh, most of our patients can put, up make, put on makeup and go out to dinner that night. So it's, uh, it's quite you know atraumatic these days um with that as i say with a single entry point using a cannula and doing the entire unit of the cheek uh it's very pleasing and uh yeah as i say to most people you can put up makeup put on makeup and go tonight if you wish there are the exception where you might do a little bruising but more often than not there's very little bruising okay so it depends on the person if there's someone that bruises easily they might um because i've had uh, injections and sometimes i've bruised and sometimes i hasn't haven't so it kind of just yeah, well, you don't know what's under the skin when we put a needle through and sometimes you can be a bit unlucky but if we see a, if we see bleeding we immediately put compression on and uh, and uh, and stop the bleeding as you would after a blood test but put some pressure on the vein that you presented inadvertently and uh and then usually it's not a problem so i would say 80 percent of our patients after this procedure are pretty much uh, ready to go and uh, enjoy life and, and get on with their existence. And the patients look, they should look natural. So they should look like a, a, a slightly younger version of themselves. It's a very pleasing procedure. I have to say that people get off the couch, look in the mirror, and we've actually done a count. About 90% will look in the mirror and go, wow, I love it. This is wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, and that's very pleasing for us because... We, uh, we love seeing results that people are happy with and technically it's pleasing for us too. Yeah, of course. And actually talking about um, looking natural, there was definitely um, like you, got to, you want to make sure you don't get that kind of pillow face look which was out a few years back. I mean, people are changing now as well. but um, Very much so. You know, sometimes, yeah, that pillow face where it was just to be overdone because people wanted more and more fillers but it wasn't being done properly. That's... So true. so true. Today we don't think of just filling an area. We think of the proportion, that's aesthetic. We think of the contour. We think of a natural outcome that suits the, the harmony of the patient's face. All these factors have to come in. And cheeks can be placed when you do use a filler in the wrong area. And we do still see some people with pillow face outcomes, um, which are unnatural. And But again, it's all due to technique and uh, it's 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 how you approach the, the harmony of the face and the proportion of the face and that's another topic you know the ratios that are aesthetic we understand these days and one should pay cognizance to that when you're treating a patient um so we're trying to educate uh, our, our doctors and our interests in our college the college of cosmetic surgery we try and um, educate our registrars to understand these facets and, and yeah i think the um, Good, good teaching, good, good, uh, good books, good videos, 
and good courses are uh, all important. Good yeah, day. and that's a topic for a podcast on its own as well. But you're, so you're, um, how are you? You're, so you're involved with the Australian College of Cosmetic Surgery. Correct. Yeah, I'm the medical dean, which is I'm in charge mm -hmm. of teaching of uh, basically minimally invasive and non-invasive cosmetic medicine, uh, and I've been doing that for some years now. Uh, and our courses uh, is very very popular. We have a waiting list of people who want to do our course, which is from 18 months to two years, and it's a very big commitment. Um, but I think we turn out some very, very good doctors in this field, and, uh, and we're very proud of that, and we, en we enjoy doing that. Yeah, well, that's great. I, I, love, um, I love it when someone's a cosmetic physician and they've got the ACCS um, behind their, their name as well. It's always reassuring and gives you that extra little level of confidence. We're very proud of the college and very proud of the way we're, uh, we're moving forward with that. And, uh, you know, we've been around for 20 years now as a college. So oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really matured into a, into a great organisation. And, uh, yeah, I've been very proud to be associated with them in the capacity that I am. Oh, no, that's great. I'm so happy to hear that. And, look, I just want to thank you so much, um, Dr Finer, for taking your time out of your busy day to chat with me today because it definitely... Uh, piqued my interest when I heard you speaking about it. I thought, oh, we need to share this. We need to share this. So, it's an interesting finding, and I'm, I'm delighted to, to be interviewed uh, on the topic. Thank you, Trish. Thank you oh, so much. That's great. Thank you so much. So, ladies and gentlemen out there, if you're looking at having this procedure done and you're near um, near and about Sydney, definitely, um, Doctor, you know, look up Doctor Ron Finer, who is based, as I said, in Newcastle. Oh, sorry, sorry, in Castle Hill. Um, <laughs> If you want, you can drop me through an email. You can Google him online. Um, it's F-E-I-N-E-R. Or otherwise, you can drop us an email to info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au and we'll send it on. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Finer. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Cheers now. The Plastic Surgery Hub podcast. Connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.